All right, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, we'll begin reading at verse 35 there. Father, in the name of Jesus, how grateful we are to be here this morning. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for uh, the opportunity to worship and to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, as we enter in, uh, continue to enter into this Easter season during Lent, and as we turn our focus towards the cross and the resurrection, remind us every single time we gather that we serve the one who wears the victor's crown, that the grave could not hold him. He is alive, and because of that, hope lives, healing lives, salvation lives. And so we are grateful this morning that we celebrate you, and we now celebrate your word, open up our hearts, uh, give us understanding, insight, encouragement, strength, and challenge us, we pray. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen. Matthew chapter 9, beginning verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. I want to share a message with you this morning I've entitled Compassion Matters, and I feel like it goes very well with what Vic was sharing with us today. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about our mission and our vision as a church. You know, our vision is to love God, love people, bring the two together. And honestly, I believe that that is the simple definition of the gospel message. We love people, we love God, we love people, and in, in that, we desire to bring those two people together. And I believe that's what Vic does. I believe that's what the mission of every church should be, that we stand between God and man and bring hope and life and strength to those who need it the most. And we've talked about how we fulfill this through three components, connection, compassion, and collision. Last week, we talked about the importance of connection, that we need to connect to God in our own personal relationship, but our connection to God always leads us to connecting to other people and, and our relationship with other people defines and shapes who we are and what we do as the people of God. So this week, I want to look at compassion. Compassion. Now, there are a lot of powerful words and phrases in the English language that can convey a lot with very little information, if you know what I'm talking about. There are certain words that you can use that are not necessarily long, phrases that aren't necessarily long, but when you use them, they pack a powerful punch, such as the word obviously. If you use the word obviously, you are kindly and lovingly telling the person, you don't know what you're talking about. You ever notice that? When you start out with, well, obviously, basically you're telling the person, you're not smart enough to understand what I'm talking about, right? Obviously, right? How about the phrase, so? Anybody ever use that one? Man, somebody can pour their whole heart out, and with one word, you can crush them. So? You ever done that? Somebody just tell you, I mean, just just animated, they're all in it. Yeah, yeah, this is what happened. And you just look at them and, so? Just crushes them, right? How about the phrase, right? You ever use that one? (laughs) Or even, okay. Right? Even okay can carry a really powerful punch. Someone tells you something and you just look at them and say, right. What are you telling them? You're a liar. You're an idiot. You're making it all up. How about this one? I'm fine. What's bothering you? I'm fine. 
you know it's all over. The world is crashing down. They're not fine. And you're not fine either because they're not fine. How about this one? Whatever. You ever heard that one? If you've got teenagers or kids, whatever, I'm sure you've heard that one many times before. Whatever. Avery is growing up to be one of the most sarcastic children I've ever met. We've had to kind of pull him off to the side. I don't know if he's necessarily used the word whatever, but he does use the phrase, really? (laughs) How about this phrase? I'll end with this one. Who cares? Who cares? See, now that that one can be a heartbreaker, right? If you're sharing your heart with someone, if you're telling someone something, if you're, if you're actually opening up with somebody and the phrase that comes out of the mouth is, who cares, that can be a heartbreaker. Because we want people to care. We need people to care. At least especially those who mean something to us. We may not, you know, we may not care what so-and-so down the street thinks, but we do care about what other people think. And the th- fact of the matter is, even when we act like that we don't care whether, whether people care, we still care that they don't care. Right? I mean, we can act like it doesn't bother us that they don't care, but then it bothers us that they don't care. Right? Because caring carries a lot of weight. Caring about people. It's really such a simple concept, but it has profound implications to care about somebody else. The the typical attitude, when somebody carries an attitude of, I don't care, it's normally one of self-protection. If we use the attitude that I don't care, it's normally one of self-protection. When we have this attitude, it's normally one of trying to prove independence. We're proving that we are strong, that I don't need anyone. I don't care because I don't need anyone. I am independent. I am strong. I don't have to care because if we don't care, then we can't get hurt. Right? If we don't care... We don't have to get involved. If we don't care, we don't have to feel. We don't have to get our hands dirty. We don't have to make sacrifices. We don't have to serve if we don't care. But the gospel has called us, the Bible tells us, to walk in love. And to walk in love demands that we care. I mean, that seems like a simple concept, doesn't it? But the Bible commands us to walk in love, which means we have to care. We can't say that we love someone and not care about them. I'm not saying that we have to tiptoe through the tulips and we're afraid to ever offend anybody and we can't tell anybody the truth. That's not love either, nor is that compassion necessarily. But the fact of the matter is, is if we don't care about people, we're not walking in love. Listen, walking in love is always risky. How many of you will admit to that? Walking in love is always risky. Because it demands that we put ourselves out there. It demands that we get involved. That we take the chance of actually getting hurt. It reveals to us that interdependence, not independence. Interdependence is actually a good thing. When we walk in love, we connect in a way that God brings us together and we become more powerful than we are when we are alone. For a matter of fact, in the spiritual realm, if you walk through this thing alone, you're typically going to end up being chewed up. And God's love for us motivates us to manifest that love to others through the power of compassion. This passage that we read here in Matthew chapter 9 reveals to us the underlying motivation behind the ministry of Jesus. 
that what motivated Jesus and everything that he did was this driving force of compassion. Consistently through the Gospels, we see that Jesus was moved with compassion. We see it when we, read, when we did uh, the message not too long ago about feeding the 5,000, and Jesus said, bring them to me. The Bible says that the reason why this whole thing even got going was because Jesus was moved with compassion with the people who were hungry. When he healed the two blind men, the Bible says that he was moved with compassion. Even in the story of the prodigal son, it is the motivation of the father when he sees the son running home. Filled with pity or filled with compassion, the father runs to his wayward, wasteful son. And so God... Compassion is, God moves Jesus through compassion. Compassion is what brought the people the tangible love of God through teaching and healing and powerful deliverance. So compassion is the tangible love of God in action. It's what motivated Jesus to see past the mess of people's lives and love them anyway. How many of you know it's, it's, it's really easy to love people who have it all together? It's really easy to love people who love you back. It's really easy to love people who are nice. But Jesus was able through compassion to see through the mess of people. You don't think that when he was preaching to the 5,000 and they were starting to get hungry that there weren't a few of them that were hangry? That there weren't a few of them out there that were complaining like the, the, like the nation of Israel when they were wandering through the desert? That they were out there just all upset and mad. I'm hungry. This guy's preaching too long. When's the food? Right? Come on now. It's like when we used to have Wednesday night services downstairs. When we had breakfast, people came to church. We had pancakes and bacon. People showed up. The Holy Ghost moves on pancake and bacon, brother. We'll have to start anointing people with syrup. Oh, Jesus. I'm sorry. He was motivated. (laughs) He looked through the mess. All of the mess, all of the complaining, all of the whining. He was able to look through all the failures. He, because the Bible says he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. He saw them as someone unprotected, uncovered. Someone who, uh, leaderless, somebody that was walking aimlessly, someone that was lost in life. He saw all of these people, even the complaining ones, even the mad ones, even the ones that stunk, even the ones that weren't very pretty, even the ones that weren't very nice. Jesus saw them as sheep without a shepherd. He was able to see the brokenness of the people and enter into their heartache. He was able to see past their failures, past their human frailties, and extend the grace of God to those who needed it the most. The sick needed a physician, and compassion brought the healing that was needed. There's your train, Vic. Jesus said, I didn't come come to call those who were well. I came came to call the sick. I didn't come to call those who were self-righteous to repentance. I came to those who knew that they needed a Savior. And those were the ones that the religious people were avoiding. The very ones that religion was avoiding, Jesus came specifically for them. This is compassion. And as we talk about compassion, we have to talk about what motivates us. What motivates us to do what we do. 
I mean, let's be honest, we have a lot of motivations in what we do in life, and unfortunately, many times, a lot of our motivations have more to do with self than it does with others. Even within the church, even within ministry, we can be motivated to be seen instead of motivated out of love or compassion or because we care about somebody's life. We want a title. We want people to know who we are. We want people to recognize what we've done. We want people to pat us on the back. We want to make sure that it's announced from the pulpit what we did so that everybody sees. We want, to, we, want to, we want people to know what we have done. And Facebook has just made that even astronomically worse, in, in all honesty. Many times Facebook is just a promotion page for how wonderful we are. When we all know behind the scenes, we ain't. We're not that wonderful. Right? Look at my family, how perfect they are. Of course, this was the 750th picture we took before this happened. Come on. How many of you posted Easter pictures and it just looked, look how pretty they are. And prior to that, your kid was standing on his head and they were throwing dirt in each other's face. You had to change their outfit four times. But look how wonderful my family is. <laughs> we really need before and after Easter pictures, right? Here's the cross, here's the resurrection. <laughs> what motivates us? What, do we, what motivates us? Is it self-promotion? Is it the desire to be seen? Or are we truly being motivated? Because com- compassion really is an attitude. It, is, it deals with the heart. It comes from the inside. You can't force compassion. I can't force you to have compassion on someone. I can't stand up here and preach a sermon to you and all of a sudden something's going to click and you're going to be compassionate. It comes from our hearts. It must be birthed from within us. It has to come from a place that tells us that people matter. People matter. All people matter. I don't care where they come from. I don't care what their background is. I don't care where what their skin color is. I don't care what their socioeconomic standing is. It doesn't matter what religion they are, what lifestyle they live, what sexual preference they've chosen. All people matter in the eyes of a loving, compassionate, gracious God. Amen. And it has come, it has to come from a place where we realize that we aren't the center of the universe and that maybe everything's not about us. Compassion takes maturity because it demands self-sacrifice. Honestly, I believe that hatred is an infantile emotion. I believe it's an immature emotion because anyone can hate. It's easy to hate. How many reasons do you need to hate? A half of one. Just a perception can cause you to look at somebody differently. Come on now. You perceive something about someone. I don't like them. You don't even know them. And already you don't care about them. And that's why I truly believe that the Bible not only equates hatred to murder because murder is birthed in the heart, so it has to start someplace before it leads to something else. But I believe that hatred can be considered murder because when you hate someone, you treat them as though they're dead. You have killed them. In your own heart. Compassion takes maturity. It takes the ability to lay down self. And to those who follow Jesus, compassion should be birthed 
by a transformed heart that has experienced the grace and compassion of God toward us. Christians are just extensions of the mercy and goodness of God that He has already given to us. Compassion is birth from the indwelling spirit within us. We are literally empowered to go and care. The Holy Spirit literally empowers us to go care. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5 that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. The fact that God's love dwells in our hearts is proof of the indwelling spirit in our lives. Compassion is rooted in love, which Jesus said is the defining mark of a disciple of Jesus. You know, and I've said this many times before, we are, we, we are quick to judge as, as people and And don't get me wrong, the Bible doesn't tell us never to judge. I know we all, there's people that don't know Jesus if he came and knocked on the door and handed them a a bunt cake. I don't know why a bunt cake, but you know, a bunt cake. They don't know Jesus from the man in the moon, but they'll tell you, judge not, lest you be judged. And then if you ask them, where's that found? It's in there somewhere. It's in there someplace. They can quote that verse, right? Judge not lest you be judged because, you know, we, we're not supposed to ever judge anybody. But, but it is true. We will judge people based upon so many different things. We look at somebody's life. Well, they don't go to church very often. They must not be saved. Well, they cuss all the time. They must not be saved. Well, they drink all the time. They must not be saved. Well, they, they sleep around, so they must not be saved. But Jesus didn't say the mark of a disciple was that you showed up on church on Sunday. The mark of a disciple is that You love. You love. Now, some of you are thinking, well, as long as I love, I guess I can go out and drink and sleep around. Hey, hallelujah. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) What I'm saying is how easy it is for us to judge what people do by doing these things, but we overlook the fact that we don't walk in love. Our motivations matter. Therefore, compassion matters. And our lack of it. Our lack of compassion is a sign of a disconnection with the God we say we serve. A lack of compassion is a sign of a disconnection with the God we say we serve. Compassion involves both sympathy and empathy. The ability to understand, the ability to share in or even feel uh, the sorrow and the sufferings of another person. Uh, the, the Greek word for uh, compassion, it's, it's, a, it's a long word I'm not even going to attempt to uh, say, uh, but it, it basically means bowels, the bowels being turned. In, in other words, uh, what, what the Bible is saying is that when we have compassion for people, it literally comes from the inside of us. It literally turns our stomach. In the English, the word compassion comes from the Latin, and it means co Suffering, co-suffering. It is related in origin, form, and meaning to the word patient, which actually means one who suffers or who can suffer long. Compassion motivates us then to enter into the hurt, the heartache, the suffering, and the mess of other people's lives. And with the power of the gospel and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, compassion drives us to bring the salvation and healing to do something about it. 
It's not just standing back and having pity. It's not just being sympathetic. But it's a desire to literally take the gospel and the healing balm of Jesus Christ to those who are hurting the most. And I'll say this even to, especially to guys, but even to some, to some women. As guys, lots of times we want to act like we're strong. We want to act like that we're not, you know, we're not wimpy, you know. But sometimes we look at compassion as though it's some type of wimpy thing. But it takes power to show compassion. There's some people that are even proud of the fact that they're mean. Am I right? There's just some people that like promote the fact that I don't care about you or anybody else. <laughs> it's not really funny. I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's not funny. It, not if we're followers of Jesus. We do something about it. Compassion comes from connection. And that connection leads to connection with other people. As we connect to God and His love for us, it motivates us to connect with others through the same love and compassion. The Bible tells us that we are the body of Jesus Christ. You may not like it, but we need each other. We are connected to one another. What we do with our lives, what our calling is, what our purpose is, what we have been called to step out and do is all interconnected within the body of Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that when you hurt, I should hurt. When you rejoice, I should rejoice. That when you're going through something, I'm going through it with you. When you win, I win. Right? Right? Okay, because unfortunately many times, even in the body of Christ, we get jealous of those who win. Oh God, why are you doing that with them? I saw what they did. They're not any better than me. Maybe that's why you're not winning. We rejoice with those who are rejoicing. And we weep with those who weep. We hurt with those who are hurt. When you're going through it, I'm going through it. That's what the Bible has called us to do. This is the power of compassion. It should be the tie that binds us together and allows us to care about each other. And to care about our community. And to care about the hurting. And to care about the lost and the broken. And those who have hurt us. Compassion drives us. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. It's a pretty popular passage of scripture. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another... Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Leave that up for just a minute, Seal. The word tender-hearted here has the same Greek component or Greek word for compassionate. And the word tender-hearted actually means well-compassioned. Well-compassioned. It also means sympathetic or good-heartedness. So when you're tender-hearted, it means that you are full of compassion. Now, what I want you to notice, just from that phrase, tender-hearted, that compassion is connected to our hearts. It's a sign of a healthy spiritual life. Compassion is a sign of a healthy spiritual walk with God. Every major religion in and of itself promotes compassion as one of the most important ethical qualities that we can have about our lives. Compassion is connected to our hearts. We also see that compassion is connected to the phrase, one another. It's an interesting study. If you go through the New Testament and try to find every phrase that use, every passage of Scripture that uses the phrase one another and how we are supposed to be interconnected through the gospel because compassion connects us to each other. It's a powerful definition of how we interact with each other as the people of God. It's one another is how we live as the family of God, as brothers and sisters in Christ. 
We live together, attached, connected through the grace of God, through the goodness of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the calling that God has placed upon our lives. This is the compassion that drives us to do. If you look in this, so it's, it's connected to our hearts. It's connected to the phrase, one another. We also see that it is connected to the phrase, as God for Christ's sake. Compassion is birthed in the reality that God has shown us love and grace that we should in turn extend to other people. When we stop extending grace and love, it means we have somehow forgotten the grace and love that has been extended to us. Let, we really have to get past this, this idea that um, any of us within here deserved God's grace. Every one of us in here, if we are saved, if we are born again, it is because simply God chose us by His grace. There's nobody clean enough, there's nobody smart enough, there's nobody talented enough, pretty enough, good enough in Christ's eyes. It is God for Christ's sake. Now, some have used that phrase as a word of ask. As asking, we're, we're upset, we're mad, or for Christ's sake. But what we need to understand is that everything that God has done in our lives is because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Do you know that when you go to prayer and you pray in the name of Jesus, what you are saying is, Father, I'll come to you based solely on what Christ has done for me. I can only come to you in prayer because of what Jesus has done for me. It's not only connected to that, it's also connected to the phrase, be kind. Compassion motivates us to be kind to others. Kindness goes a long way, folks, in keeping the peace. It goes a long way in making friends. It goes a long way in building relationships. And it goes a long way in just generally not being a punk. Or a pain in the neck, right? Or arrogant. Or prideful. Kindness goes a long way of showing people that they matter. Kindness goes a long way of showing people that they're valuable, that they, that they should be loved. Amen. Kindness goes a long way. The Bible tells us it is the kindness of God, the goodness of God, that draws us to repentance. It's God's goodness towards us that must then be extended through our lives. So compassion is connected to being kind, to being kind to one another. Kind not only in our action, but kind in our words. Kind in our attitudes. This is the calling of walking in compassion. And then finally, it's also connected to the word forgiveness. Forgiving others. For some of us in our lives, forgiving is an F word. It's hard for us to forgive. It's hard for us. Because forgiveness is literally one of the most powerful things we could ever do as a human being. And unforgiveness is one of the most damaging things in our lives. When we're able to forgive people, we're able not only to release someone else, but to release ourselves. Jesus told parables about someone who was unable to let go, and he ends up basically in prison and tormented. Because when you can't forgive, you're the one who's in prison, not the person that you can't forgive. We all know this. 
Forgiveness is one of the healthiest things you can do for your own psychological mental state. Is being able to forgive. And unforgiveness will eat at your soul. It will eat at your spiritual life. It will eat at your psychological life. It will eat at your soul. Compassion allows us to extend grace to people because the mercy and compassion of God did the same for us. The Bible says, when you stand praying, forgive. When you stand praying, forgive. Why? Because your Father in heaven has forgiven you. And the Bible tells us that if we can't forgive others, how can we expect our Father to forgive us? Compassion helps us let it go. Compassion helps us... and Don't start singing. Compassion allows us the ability to not hold grudges. To see people and remember that people are people. Did you know people were people? Did you know that people are going to make mistakes and people are going to do stupid things and people are going to say stupid things and people are going to hurt you and people are going to mess up and people are not always going to do it right and guess what? You're one of those people. You're one of the people that's going to mess up. You're the one of the people that's going to make mistakes. I know some of you don't know that. And that's why you've left a wake of people behind you as you just stroll along. Look at me. I never make any mistakes. <laughs> I never do anything wrong. I've said many times before, I don't know how some of us repent. Because you can't, re- you can't admit that you're wrong. There's some of you in here that are always right. So how do you repent? You can't repent if you can't admit you're wrong. Right? Compassion allows us to see people as people. You know, Paul even tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and this is a whole sermon, but 1 Corinthians 5, Paul tells us, you know, the church gets so tore up about what's the sin that's happening outside the world that we forget about what's happening in here. Paul's like, I'm not even talking about the people out there. They're out there. They're going to act like people out there. When are we going to start acting like people in here? And the one of the ways we do that is by being kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Forgiveness allows us to see people as Jesus saw them, loving them even when they don't deserve it. Jesus dying on the cross says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Stephen, being stoned to death, said, do not lay this to their charge. Man, what a, that's a powerful man. That's a powerful man. Remember, remember when the disciples, Jesus came and preached into a, in a town, and the, and the town rejected him, and the disciples were all fired up? Jesus, you want us to be like Elijah and call down fire and consume all these people? Woo! Jesus turned around and says, you don't know what spirit you are of. But you're definitely not of the Holy Spirit. Because it's not motivated by revenge. It's motivated by compassion. As I close here this morning, I just want to remind us that 
our desire as a church is to make the greatest impact in our community, the greatest impact even within this congregation. The Bible tells me that I should care about my brothers and sisters in Christ. For a matter of fact, the Bible even tells me that I'm supposed to put your needs before my own, and I'm also supposed to put your needs before the world. We're supposed to love each other. We're in this thing together. But compassion is one of the most powerful forces in the world. It should be the motivation of every true believer. And I know that we all come short. I know that there are times that we don't like people. There's reasons why, justifiable reasons why we shouldn't have compassion. But it comes from a deep connection to God that leads to a connection with others. And we are called to fulfill the vision of our church. And as we are called to fulfill the vision of our church, then we are called to allow compassion to rule in our hearts. And so if we are struggling with being able to extend compassion, then we need to connect ourselves to God's grace and love yet again. We need to press in to Jesus. We need to press into him. I close with this story, my brother-in-law BG. I think I shared this with you before, but my brother-in-law BG one time was in Canal City. This was years ago. I'm not even sure if he was married to Jill yet, which we used to tell G- uh, uh, BG that he was Moses because they dated for like six months and was engaged for like 200 years, but... We told him he was like Moses. He could see the promised land, but he could never enter in. And, uh, but one time he was in Canal City, and he drove up. I think he had like a GT or something like that. He drives up. He's, he's at a light, and this car pulls up beside him and starts revving its engine. Yeah, it was like jumping, you know, wanting to race with him. And as BG's looking at him, he's starting to get mad. He's like, who's this idiot? You know, know, he was ready to to go at it, right? And then all of a sudden, he started praying for the person. He felt led to pray for the guy. And as he's praying for him, that the Lord would save him and bring him, compassion rises up in his heart. Next thing you know, BG's like, I've got tears rolling down my eyes. I'm crying for this guy that I don't even know, that 30 seconds ago I was mad at. This is what connecting to Jesus does. And the opposite will be seen when we're disconnected. Let us not take pride in sin. Let us not take pride in the fact that we don't care. Let us be humble enough to recognize, even as God, for Christ's sake, has done for me, let me do the same for others. As imperfect as it may be, as inconsistent as it may be, Let me strive to be a person of compassion in Jesus' name. Bow your heads with me here this morning. Father, thank you for the power of the word of God. Thank you that it challenges us and convicts us. We ask now in Jesus' name that you would forgive us, that you would forgive us of our lack of compassion, forgive us of our lack of love, forgive us for unforgiveness, forgive us for holding grudges, forgive us, Lord, for hate. Forgive us, Lord, for not being able to let go. Forgive us for not looking outside ourselves and reaching out. Lord, we want to be people of compassion. And so we ask here this morning that you would cleanse our hearts, that you would wash us, that you would purge our conscience from dead works, that we might serve the living God. And may you be glorified in our lives. May you be glorified in Living Faith Church. May this be a shelter of compassion. May people find a shepherd in you, Jesus, that we don't have to wonder We know that compassion has called us to know you. So, Lord, fill us with your spirit. 
and in so doing, fill us with your love. We ask now this morning that, Lord, you would speak to every heart that's broken, every heart that's hurting. We pray that you'd speak to every heart that's lost, that is away from Jesus here today. We pray that you'd speak to every backslider and speak to everyone, Lord, who is losing their passion. Every person in this room that feels themselves slipping away, every discouraged heart, I ask now that you would draw them to your cross, that you might be glorified in Jesus' name.